Blog Talk Radio. My life is letting me down the road that's so uncertain. And now I am left alone and I am broken. Trying to find my way, trying to find the faith that's gone. This time. That you are holding all the answers But I'm tired of losing hope and taking chances On a road that never seems To be the ones that bring me home Give me a revelation Show me what to do July 2016. You can find us at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the kingdom of God or nothing. 
You can also find us on iTunes by searching in the podcasts for The Kingdom of God or Nothing, and you can find the archives for this radio program at thekingdomofgodornothing.com. We do have a program available, a chat room available. Oh, hold on here. I have mirrored myself on the computer. Let me just mute this real quick. If my computer will respond, I will mute it. <laughs> All right. I'm just trying to get the chat room av- uh, available. Now, uh, if you do want to find where I post the most on Facebook, you can follow me at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S-1977. That's facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S-1977. And uh, I'm just going to post some stuff here real quick. Up oh, right here, chat room. There is a chat room available uh, to go to the kingdom of God or nothing. Oh, wait, no, it's blogtalkradio.com forward slash the kingdom of God or nothing. Uh, okay, throw that up there real quick. All right, so tonight we're going to be talking about temple ordinances, garments of the priesthood, temples and stakes in Zion. Let's see what else here. Eternal marriages out of the temple. Uh, Plural marriage is an eternal law. Uh, The law of Abraham and Jesus was a polygamist. These were all taught in the early history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which are not taught today. They have gone away from the truth and dwindled the gospel down to an ABC preschool portion. And in order for Zion to be redeemed, there has to be a people who will live all that God has commanded. So hopefully we can get back to that point so that we can be the people who redeem Zion. And if the church won't do it, well, the scriptures say the church will be rejected and God will choose another people. Well, let's get into this. This is 95 Thesis. Uh, we are on page 1450 in Enzyme to the Nations, Volume 3, or in the book 95 Thesis, uh, which you can find to read for yourself online or free at thekingdomofgodornothing.com. Just click on Ogden Kraut and scroll down to 95 Thesis. It is spelled out. It is not in, uh, the 95 is spelled out. So, All right. Every gift or every good gift and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light, of with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now you can find the references to that in your New Testament in the book of James, chapter one, verse twenty seven, also in the book of Hebrews, chapter thirteen, verse eight. Oh, and by the way, if you are listening to this live, you can call in at any time. The guest call-in number is 516-387-1641. That's 516-387-1641. And I am going to just watch the, the studio. Now, I'm reading from the book tonight, not from the computer, so I can have the studio up, and I will glance at it from time to time. And also, like I said, the chat room is available there as well. Uh, there at uh, the, the Kingdom of God or Nothing, or blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Kingdom of God or Nothing. All right. Uh, Joseph Smith said, the order of the house of God has been and ever will be the same. 
even after Christ comes, and after the termination of the thousand years, it will be the same. And we shall finally enter into the celestial kingdom of God and enjoy it forever. You can find that in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 91. Wilfred Woodruff, see here. Now concerning uh, the endowment in all its phases, my own views are this that we ought to follow out as far as we can the pattern laid down by our leaders. I consider that if there was any man who thoroughly understood the principles of the endowment, it was Brigham Young. He was with Joseph Smith from the beginning of the endowment to the end, and he understood it if any man did. Now, if I have ever have anything to do or say in temple, in any temple on the earth, Concerning the endowment, I would say follow the pattern that President Young has sent to us and not deviate one iota. President Wilford Woodruff in a letter June 8, 1887 from St. George, Utah. Now, when Brigham Young gave us the endowment, it was an all-day-long process. When he gave us the washings and the anointings, they actually had bathtubs to do the washings and the anointings, not a little dab on the forehead, or uh, what they do now is a symbolic dab on the forehead, and we will put our hands on you and pretend to wash you. That's kind of like what the Catholics did with the baptism. They were like, if all, we sprinkle you a little bit, you'll be fine, even though Jesus went to where there was much water and was immersed in baptism. You can't change the gospel. What right does man have to think that they can uh, whittle down the endowments and change the the doctrine of baptism and how it's done. Like, if the sacrament prayer has to be said exactly the certain way, you know, it has to be said. If you are off one little tiny bit, you got to say it over again, right? Well, that's a public ordinance. But the endowment, you don't memorize the endowment, so it'll change a little bit here and change a little bit there. Well, uh, that's not the way it's done. Let's see what else. Uh, Abraham Cannon Journal. Thursday, December 19th, during our meeting, in uh, meeting, a revelation was read, which President Wilford Woodruff received Sunday evening. Oh, a revelation. Oh, this is fun. This is the 1889 revelation, which you can't find in the church anymore because it contradicts what Wilford Woodruff later did. Oops, my bad. I'm sorry. Shouldn't put that out there. It was too quick to judge. Oh, no, it was the revelation of God you moron. You, how could you think you are? Oh, it was a lie. The manifesto was a lie to beat the devil at his own game. And they continued to live plural celestial marriage until 1910 when it was completely done away. So if it was a commandment from God in 1890, which they say it was, but it was not, to do away with plural celestial marriage, why do they continue doing it? A riddle me this, that man. All right. Um, During our meeting, a revelation was read, which President Woodruff received Sunday evening, November the 24th. Propositions had been made for the church to make some concessions to the courts in regard to the principle or to its principles. Both President Woodruff's counselors refused to advise him as to the course he should pursue. He therefore laid the matter before the Lord. The answer came quick and strong. The word of the Lord was for us to not yield one particle 
of that which he, he had revealed and established. Who, who had? Uh, that was Jesus. And he was saying, don't you dare change my gospel or my ordinances. He had done and would continue to care for his work and those of the saints who were faithful. And we need have no fear of our enemies when we were in, line, in, our, our, in the line of our duty. We are promised redemption and deliverance if we will trust in God and not in the arm of flesh. Oh, but they didn't trust in God. They put their trust in the arm of flesh, and they made concessions and compromises with Babylon, thus pouring off after Babylon instead of being true and faithful to their true husband, Jesus Christ. Today, the garments, the wording and the ceremony of the endowment, the ordinances and the ceremony itself, and the marriage laws have all been changed. We're just going to sweep that under the rug and hope you don't find out because we're the prophets and we can't lead you astray, liars. Garments of the priesthood. Thou, thou has a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. Behold, I come as a thief. That's the second coming. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Okay, so... The garments given to Joseph Smith that were down to the ankle and out to the wrist, and the way the symbols and the way it was done uh, with the three ties and the whole king caboodle was the way that God gave it to us. And blessed is he who keeps the garments in this way. That's in Revelations chapter three, verse four. Also in chapter sixteen, verse fifteen. In the Era, Volume 9, page 812, uh, it says, Warning came from President Joseph F. Smith, who said, In order that such people may in, uh, Im, imitate the fashions, they will not hesitate to mutilate that which should be held by them the most sacred of all things in the world, next to their own virtue." So, oh, we want to be more like Babylon, so let's just change the garments so we can wear the pretty dresses and pretty clothing. That's what we call whoring off after other gods. Do you understand yet? You know, I, like why? Why do you think that you can do this, Ephraim, LDS saints? Why do you think you can change what God – if God gave it to you a certain way – that's the way he gave it to you. If he wanted to give you a bastardized version of it, guess what? He would have given it to you that way. He wasn't playing around when he gave it the way he gave it. But you've treated the things of God lightly. And because of your pouring off after other gods, he doesn't speak to the church anymore as a whole. He don't do it. None of the prophets or the apostles are the witnesses. Joseph, Joseph F. Smith said in 1916, the garments worn by those who receive endowments must be white and of the approved pattern. Uh, that pattern's changed, by the way, since he said this. They must not be altered or mutilated and are to be worn as intended, down to the wrist and ankle and around the neck. Admission to the temple will be refused to those who do not comply with these requirements. 
The saints should know that the pattern of the endowment garment was revealed from heaven and that the blessings promised in connection with wearing them will not be realized if any unauthorized changes are made in their form or in the manner of wearing them. And that was given by Joseph F. Smith in 1916 as instructions to all in the temple. But in our day, we have this apostate, Heber J. Grant, who was the seventh president of the church, uh, who uh, Brother Brigham prophesied about, but we can get to that later. But anyway, here's what Mr. Um, Oh, what's his face? Heber said. Well, actually, this is a... Uh, Tribune, June 4th, 1923. In 1923, it was announced in the newspapers that the temple garments greatly modified. Church presidency gives permission. Styles change optional with wearer. Okay, they've been warned not to do that. Do you understand that God said no? Are you little children that don't understand the word of your parent to, to not do certain things? But you think that just because he's gone away doesn't mean that we have to listen. It's kind of like my kids tonight. I told them they could watch the cartoon channel, right? Which not really too fond of, but they like it. So whatever. Pokemon and all that fun stuff. I go upstairs and take a shower, and I told them specifically, do not turn on the PlayStation and do not watch Netflix or YouTube. Because my son, he's a... He's a nerd about Minecraft, and he likes to watch videos of other people playing video games. Not to actually play them. He just likes to watch the videos. So I come downstairs after I take a shower, and guess what they're doing? They're doing exactly what I told them not to do. So guess what I told them to do? You're going to bed. Good night. Why are, we doing, why are you doing that, Daddy? Well, I told you not to do certain things, and you think that you can just do them, so you lose your privileges. Now, it is a privilege to wear the garment the way God gave it. And if you don't like it and you change it, guess what? You can go to bed early. Actually, it'll be worse. Wouldn't that be just nice? God sends us to bed early. All right, let's see. Um... All right, the reason for these changes were so that women wouldn't have to roll up their sleeves while doing housework uh, and to promote, and this is all from the article given in the Tribune, June 4th, 1923, the promotion of freedom of movement of the body for the wearer in a new and finer hosiery and shorter skirts. Okay, so they were having shorter skirts, so you can't wear you can't wear the garments down to the ankle if you're wearing shorter skirts. That just looks kind of funny. So uh, let's get rid of the garments and we'll adapt the fashions of Babylon. And to play games at the gymnasium. Oh, uh, BYU wanted to um, play basketball and they couldn't play basketball, I guess, with longer pants and shirts. Because that's just weird. So, but we want to wear the garments. Well, they, <laughs> they don't even wear the garments anymore when they play basketball. But back then, oh, you got to wear the garments. So, uh, well, we don't want to have to wear the long pants and the long shirts, so let's just do away with uh, what God gave us and do something else. On recent church sales lists, there were 16 variations of the garment for sale, some with strings. Oh, you can't find that anymore. And the strings were part of the original garment. You had three strings uh, to tie up the where the head went so you could tie it together. 
um, or buttons and zippers or without. Some included the sweetheart neck lining, plunging front and back so that you could wear <sighs> clothing that showed your chest and your back. That was the women. Okay. All right, let's see. What's the 66th change in the temple? And Oh, no, the gospel? Um, yeah, okay. Temples and stakes in Zion. Here we go. Are you ready for this? DNC section 124, 35, and 36. Oh, this drives me a little bit nuts. He's only trying to make a point. But if you read section 124, um, Jesus says, if you, if you build this temple whereby the Most High, the Father, can come dwell therein, he may restore the fullness of the priesthood unto you. Because only he can do it. And it has to be done in a temple. But if you do not do what I say, you'll receive uh, cursings instead of blessings. And then here's where we start off. This is verse 35 and 36 of section 124. And after this time, your baptisms for your dead by those who are scattered abroad are not acceptable unto me, saith the Lord. For it is ordained that in Zion and in her stakes and in Jerusalem, those places which I have appointed for refuge shall be the places of your baptisms for your dead. You know, it's interesting. It later goes on to say, if you don't do what I say in building this temple, um, you'll receive a curse instead of a blessing. Oh, wait, no, there's another. Oh, it says, um, oh, yeah, uh, I will reject you with your church and your people or something to that effect. So when the people say, well, the church can never be led astray. God will never reject us. Well, in section 124, Jesus Christ says different. Basically, you, you false prophets and fools out there, you are calling Jesus Christ a liar. Why don't you pick up your scriptures and actually get to know them a little bit? Joseph Smith said the whole of America is Zion itself from north to south and is described by the prophet to declare that it is Zion where the mountain of the Lord should be. Okay, so... The temples and stakes should be in Zion, North America. This is Zion, not the whole world, uh, but, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's see what Wilfred Woodruff has to say about this. When the Savior comes, a thousand years will be devoted um, – a thousand years will be devoted to this work of redemption, and temples will appear all over this land of Joseph, North and South America, and also in Europe and elsewhere. And all the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth who received not the gospel in the flesh must be officiated for the temples of God. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> so that seems to contradict former revelation given by Zechariah in the last chapter of his book, which says that the Canaanites will not be in the house of the Lord during the millennium. The Canaan, uh, Canaan was the son of Ham. But you know what's interesting? Okay, so Cain, or so let's see, Ham was the husband of Egyptus and the son of Noah, who came through the flood, right? Ham had more than one son, and his other sons were not cursed with the priesthood, but they were black. So, you know, the only Canaanites, or only the Canaanites were cursed with the priesthood. Now, in the, the book of Japheth, 
which is not in your Bible, but Joseph Smith used to talk about it, and so the other prophets, uh, it's quoted a bunch of times uh, throughout the scriptures. In the Old and New Testament, um, in the book of Japheth, it said that the other sons of Ham got, basically, I'm going to paraphrase it, they got the heck away from Cain, or Canaan, because they didn't want that curse to come upon him or their children, because Canaan was cursed from the priesthood. Now, in the millennium, which it contradicts the 1978 revelation, of course, they don't understand it because they're blind leading the blind, you know. But um, in the 1978 revelation, they're like, oh, everybody can have the priesthood. Oh, well, only, only men, not women. Which, by the way, I've been thinking about lately. Um, the church is a 501c3 status charitable organization, and they cannot discriminate uh from between the sexes or the races, um, you know, that that will be, bring Nolan Boyd their 501c3 charitable corporation status. So, and that's how the blacks got the priesthood, uh, because basically um, Jimmy Carter threatened, Wolf, uh, you know, what's his name, Spencer Kimball to... Uh, yank their 501c3 status and confiscate all their properties if they did not give the blacks the priesthood because you cannot discriminate uh, against certain groups. Well, it just makes me wonder why the movement for women to get the priesthood, why they don't use that, you know, or or homosexuality. I mean, that's, prob- that's probably how they're going to get, uh, like, same-sex marriages in the temple, and by pulling this whole, like, 501c3, you can't discriminate against certain groups, and if you do, then we will confiscate your property, you know, so the church will have to give priesthood to the women and also seal homosexuals in their temples. So, but you know what? Women have right to the priesthood, but it wasn't restored in the church. But it has been restored, and I received a revelation a couple of months ago to restore the priesthood of women to my wife. And she is the first fully endowed matriarchal priesthood holder and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, anyway, in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 29, verse 8, wherefore the decree hath gone forth from the Father that they shall be gathered in unto one place upon the face of this land to prepare their hearts and be prepared against the day when tribulation and desolation are sent forth upon the wicked. All right, well, how has it changed? Uh, October 17th, 1936, Desert News, Church Section, our buildings, our, our building of foreign temples is to encourage the saints to stay in their own countries. Now, let's remember, temples are to be built in all the nations that the Lord once considered as heathen. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Now, so the... T- the temples now are built in all the nations which were once considered as heathen nations, right? They were supposed to be built in Zion. Now, it is true that temples would eventually dot the earth. That is part of what happens in the millennium. But Zion is North America, and this is where temples are meant to be built. Nowhere else. All right? Do you get it yet? The changes that they have done. They should be ashamed of themselves. All right. Monogamy. That's his topic 67. Let's see here. 
All right. Now, speaking of plural celestial marriage in the Doctrine and Covenants, verse 20, uh, section 132, verse 21, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye abide my law. Well, what's that law? That is the law of a plural celestial marriage for the eternal, I can't remember, that this is about plural marriage. Unless you abide my law, you cannot attain unto this glory. What glory is he talking about? Exaltation. All right. In the Millennial Star, volume 15, page 226, we cannot be married to our husbands for eternity without subscribing to the law that admits a plurality of wives. Now, why would God want a plurality of wives? It's because in the preexistence, those of the elect who never followed after Lucifer can qualify to receive their exaltation. In order to receive your exaltation, you must have a, a feminine and a masculine be filled by the Holy Spirit of promise. And there were more feminine than there were masculine, so they made covenants to, or for a masculine to take multiple feminine. This is how you break the new and everlasting covenant, by not living to the covenants you have made, and not by, by not living the gospel that was given to you. All right? Brigham Young taught, now remember, the president of the church can never lead you astray. Well, this is what the president of the church said from the pulpit as recorded in the Journal of Discourses, volume 11, page 268. The only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. <laughs> you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were polygamists, and they sit at the judgment bar, and they're going to know what you thought about polygamists and how you judged them. And you're going to stand there in front of so noted the polygamist as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what do you think they're going to do about that? Do you think you're going to get past them with your ignorance? And, and rejection of God's eternal law of plural celestial marriage? And no, you're not. All right? Now, if you can't live it because you can't find a woman to live it, well, at least you tried, right? And you'll be judged according to what was the intent of your heart. But these people that are like, oh, I could never. Well, you have fun with that one. All right. Let's see. God has given me a revelation in regard to celestial marriage. I did not make it, yet they would like us to tone down that or tone that principle down and change it and make it applicable to the views of the day. Um, uh, oh, it, this. Uh, let me translate that into uh, modern English. Uh, make it applicable to Babylon the Great. Okay. This we cannot do, nor can we interfere with any of the commandments of God to meet the persuasion and behest of men. I cannot do it, and I will not do it. I find some men trying to twist around the principle in any way, in every way that they can. They want to sneak out of it in some way. Now God doesn't want any of that kind of sycophancy like that. No, no, no. He doesn't like sycophancy. He doesn't like bootlickers. He doesn't like people who change his gospel. 
uh, going on. He expects us to be true to him and to the principles he has delivered and to feel as Job did. Though they slay me, this is what Job said, though they slay me, yet I will trust in him. Though other folks would slay us, yet we will trust in the living God and be true to our covenants and our gods. He made these covenants you who are the elect race of Shem, who never followed after Lucifer, you have these blessings given to you. Now, are you going to do what you have covenanted to in the preexistence and take up those elect women that are yours? And women, are you going to take up those elect men that are yours and actually be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise not break your covenants and be elected, or are you going to be rejected? Uh, that's your choice, really. These are our feelings in relation to this matter. Right. This is John Taylor, by the way. Um, let's see. It is not meet that men who do not abide my law shall preside over my priesthood. And yet some people would like very much to do it. Okay, he was quoting the revelation that Jesus gave him in the 1880s. Um, you know, this this is what Jesus said. Okay, this is from uh, one of the 1880 revelations, and there was like four of them, I think. Anyway, it is not me that men who will not abide by law shall preside over my priesthood. Mm. And yet some people would very much like to do it. Well, they cannot do it. If God has introduced something for our glory and exaltation, we are not going to have that kicked over by improper influences, either inside or outside of the church of the living God. I see sometimes a disposition to try to ignore some of the laws of God, which God has introduced, and this is one of them. You can find that in Journal of Discourses, volume 25, page 309. But today, what do they do today? Celestial marriage, that is, marriage for time and eternity, and polygamous or plural celestial marriage are not synonymous terms. Monogamous marriages for time and eternity, solemnized in our temples in accordance with the word of the Lord and the law of the church, are celestial marriages. And who taught that false doctrine? Uh, oh, it was the the uh, son of perdition, Heber J. Grant, who was the seventh president of your church. Official statement, June 17, 1933, in the way of the master. And you can find that by the book written by Mark E. Peterson. Oh, another one of those apostate apostles. Topic 68, eternal marriages out of the temple. Now, this is really interesting because oh, you could actually you can actually be sealed outside of the temple. They used to have endowment houses, but there were certain people, there were many people who were given their endowments and they were sealed outside of the temple. All right, let's see. I'm not sure about the endowment part. I have to look that up again. But let's read this right here. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, volume 16, page 186. We can seal women to men, but not men to men without the temple. See, that's called the law of adoption. And Brigham Young was actually wrong about this because they didn't have a temple back in Nauvoo. And guess what? Men were sealed to Joseph Smith. Men and women were sealed to Joseph Smith. 
It's called the law of adoption, and it can be done outside of the temple. So Brigham Young was wrong about that. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That's what we call sealing. And whatsoever thou shalt be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay, these are the keys that are used in the temple to do so uh, sealing. Plural celestial marriage is, is part of that, right? All right, let's see here. Uh, John Taylor, Journal of Discourses, Volume 25, page 355-356. The Council of the Doctrine and Covenants, Section 132, 1946 and 48. Let's see here. I was asked if certain ordinances could be performed in different places. I told them yes, under certain circumstances, where I was asked, anywhere besides the temple? Yes. Uh, this is John Taylor. He was the he brought he was brought before uh, a court to basically testify against the church. Like not that he wanted to, but they were asking him all kinds of questions. And you know how he got around this? He told people not to tell him things so that he didn't have to turn them in because he would not betray their confidences, but he would also not lie, right? Anyway, so this is where this comes from. John Taylor is being interviewed by uh, prosecutors who were persecutors of Babylon upon the church. Anyway, uh, and so the lawyer asked, besides, uh, anywhere besides in the temple? John Taylor, yes. Anywhere besides the endowment house? John Taylor, yes. Or in some other house? In another house or out of doors, as circumstances may be? Why did I say that? Why did I say that? Uh, <laughs> John Taylor, it is the authority of the priesthood, not the place that validates and sanctifies the ordinance. I was asked if people could be sealed outside. Yes. I could have told them I was sealed outside and lots of others. I will say that a man was not made for temples, but temples were made for man. The temples are places that are appropriated for a great many ordinances, and among these ordinances, that of marriage, but then, if we are interrupted by men who do not know about our principles, that is all right. It will not impede the work of God or stop the performing of the ordinances. Let them do their work, and we will try to do ours. <laughs> Isn't this wonderful? Uh, you can do endowments and certain ceilings and all of that sort of stuff out in the ordinances outside of the temple. Yeah, it just has to be blessed and consecrated for that use. You can use a room in your home to do – they used to have prayer circles in homes. Um, I've, I was sealed outside to my wife, um, and we've done other ordinances in homes that were set apart for that purpose since we don't have temples that are under authority today. We can't build them. You know, they actually had the, the tabernacle, which was a big tent that God allowed them to, you know, do temple ordinances and stuff in back in the day. Anyway, but today, I hereby announce, okay, this is the apostate Heber J. Grant, the apostate apostle, president of the church. I hereby announce that it is the birth of bounded Every Latter-day Saint, male and female, who knows of any such pretended marriages being performed to inform the proper uh, uh, officers of the church 
In order that the churches or church's honor may be maintained and such individuals may be dealt with according to the rules and regulations of the church and excommunicate them therefrom. Because guess what? Heber J. Grant was a businessman in Babylon, and he and others hijacked my father's and my savior's church. All right. LBS reference encyclopedia, page 490, uh, written in 1960. All marriages outside of the temple of the Lord are for this life only. Okay, but John Taylor said that he received sealing and ordinances outside of the temple. So that kind of contradicts what the fathers of the church said, doesn't it? And remember... The president of the church can never lead you astray. So John Taylor can never lead you astray because he was the president of the church, right? It's false doctrine. I'm only simply trying to prove a point, all right? Topic 69A, plural marriage and eternal law. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14, I know that whatsoever God doth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it. So if God seals up people by these sealing ordinances, by the keys of the authority of the priesthood, guess what? The marriages last into the eternities, right? Doctrine and Covenants, section 29, verse 34. Wherefore, verily I say unto you, that all things, un- all things unto me are spiritual, and not at any time have I given unto you a law which was temporal. Neither any man nor children of men. Doctrine and Covenants, section 29, verse 34. Joseph Smith said, A key, every principle proceeding from God is eternal. And any principle that is not eternal is of the devil. You got it, yeah. <laughs> Do you understand? God does not change. His laws are eternal. His gospel does not change unless it's given into the hand of apostate men and women who change it. And guess what? When it changes, it becomes of the devil. Teaching from the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 181. DNC section 132, 33, verse 34 and 62 but if ye enter not into my law, what law is he talking about? Plural celestial marriage, being filled up by the Holy Spirit of promise. You cannot receive the promise of my father, which he made unto Abraham. God commanded Abraham, and Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham to wife. Oh my gosh, Abraham was a polygamist? You don't say? <laughs> Uh, And why did she do it? Because this was the law, and from Hagar sprang many people. And if he would, or and if he had, if he have ten virgins given unto him by this law, and this is in scripture, guys, he cannot commit adultery, for they belong to him, and they are given unto him. Therefore, he is justified. Now, remember, if he have ten virgins, doesn't mean if he has 10 older wives too, right? <laughs> All right. Life of Wilford Woodruff, page 542, it says, if we do not embrace the principle soon, 
the principle of plural celestial marriage, the keys will be turned against us. That's, that's what they call a curse. If we do not keep the same that our Heavenly Father has kept, meaning Heavenly Father is a polygamist, we cannot go with him. Because you can't go to where he is unless you keep the laws he keeps, right? All right. Joseph F. Smith in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 269 says, Some people have supposed that the doctrine of plural celestial marriage has been a sort of superfluity or non-essential to the salvation of mankind. I wish here to enter my solemn protest against this idea, for I know it is false. Joseph F. Smith, he had to continually fight against these apostates who kept trying to change things. You know, and this is one of them. Whoever has imagined that he could obtain the fullness of the blessings pertaining to this celestial law by complying with only a portion of its conditions has deceived himself. So if you take a wife and that's where you end it, that's where God ends you. That's your damnation. Oh, and the really sad thing about it is in order for the ceiling to actually take place and to be uh, ordained of by God, there has to actually be more than one person in the relationship. So because you just take your wife for time and all eternity and end it there, maybe that's where you receive your damnation. And guess what? If you're not sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, then you become a servant of God and a servant of angels. If you're a man, then you become a servant of women, a goddesses, and a, a handmaiden to goddesses if you're a woman. Now, because of multiple mortal probations and eternal lives, you are given the opportunity to go back down with your family and try again on another earth. But that's the doctrine that we're not going to get into tonight. All right, let's see here. Today, James E. Talmadge, Storage, Our Story and Philosophy of Mormonism, page 101. But that poor marriage is a vital tenant, uh, but that poor marriage is a vital tenant of the church is not true. Okay, so he's denying true doctrine. What the Latter-day Saints call celestial marriage is characteristic of the church and is very general practice. But on a celestial marriage, the plurality of wives was an incident, never an essential. Yet, the, the two have often been confused in the popular mind. James E. Talmadge was what they call a false prophet, apostle. All right, because he contradicted former revelations given to the church. And remember, the president of the church can never lead you astray. So Brigham Young said it, and Joseph Smith said it, and John Taylor said it, and Wilford Woodruff said it, even though Wilford Woodruff kind of fell back on his face. Guess what? <laughs> if you're going to hold to that false doctrine that the president of the church can't lead you astray, then why are you following the one today? Because if John Taylor and Wilfred Woodruff and Brigham Young and, and Joseph Smith taught false doctrine, oh, and if, if the false doctrines in the scriptures in the DNC section 132, well, they didn't lead you astray then, so who's lying? 
right? All right. The law of Abraham. Okay, this is all about plural celestial marriage. Topic 69b. If you were Abraham's this is Jesus. Jesus. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Well, what was one of the works of Abraham? By the way, this is John chapter 8, verse 39. Well, he lived plural celestial marriage. If you are the children of Abraham, or who you claim to be as an Israelite, then you should live the laws that Abraham lived, right? That's, that's Jesus Christ talking. It's pretty simple. What was one of the things that he did? He lived plural celestial marriage. All right. Go ye therefore and do the works of Abraham. Enter into my law and ye shall be saved. The NC section 132 verse 32. Once again, this is about being filled by the Holy Spirit of promise and living plural celestial marriage. Brigham Young taught, why do we believe and practice polygamy? Because the Lord introduced it to his servants in a revelation given to Joseph Smith, and the Lord's servants have always practiced it. And it is, it is, that, relig- or it is that religion popular in heaven? It is the only popular religion there, for this is the religion of Abraham. And unless we do the works of Abraham, we are not Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. General Discourses, volume 9, page 322. All right. Brigham Young also said, It is the word of the Lord I wish to say to you and to all the world that if you desire with all your hearts to obtain the blessings which Abraham obtained, you will be a polygamist, at least in your faith, or you will come short of enjoying the salvation and glory which Abraham has obtained. He's been exalted, right? This is true as uh, this is as true as uh, as that God lives, and He said that, which is recorded in Journal of the Sources, Volume Eleven, Page Two Sixty Eight and Two Sixty Nine. Right. All right. Uh, Life of Wilfred Woodruff, Page Five Forty Two. The Latter Day Saints claim to be the children of Abraham, and if they are the children of Abraham, they will do the works of Abraham. It was difficult for men and women from all parts of the world who had lived in monogamic order all their lives to or monogamy, all their lives to accept this doctrine of eternity and plural uh, plurality of marriage. It was a new and everlasting covenant, and if you obeyed abide not that covenant, then ye are damned, saith the Lord. I'm sorry, that was Franklin D. D. Richards. Journal of Discourses, Volume 26, page 341. Now, this is uh, taken from the life of Wilfred Woodruff. The reason why church and kingdom cannot advance without the patriarchal order of marriage is that it belongs to this dispensation, just as baptism for the dead does, or any other law or ordinance that belongs to a dispensation. Without it, the church cannot progress. The leading men of Israel who are presiding over stakes will have to obey the law of Abraham or they will have to resign. But today, John A. Whitso approved an era March 1943. We do not understand why the Lord commanded the practice of plural marriage. Oh, and did you see that thing that uh, President Hinckley – now, I love President Hinckley. I was actually married to his great niece, 
that we used to go to church with him in the Joseph Smith Memorial Building from time to time. And I've learned some things about him that kind of troubled me, but I love the man. I was at Marjorie's funeral. I was there. Okay, I've been to his grave. I know exactly where it's at, up in the Salt Lake Cemetery. And I love the man. But I could not believe when he was on 60 Minutes how he said, well, plural marriage is never a doctrine of the church. What a lying, stinking filth bag he was by saying that. All they who deny me and my law are not worthy of me. If you deny me, I'm talking about Jesus, what he said. If you deny Jesus and his eternal law, then he will deny you before the Father. And I feel sorry for President Hinckley for saying for lying. He's he is the was the leader of the church, and he has that blatant false lie come out of his filthy mouth. As much as I loved him, he was wrong for saying it. Polygamy was and is an eternal gospel doctrine. And for him to say, well, it was never. Only 3% of the church ever lived it. Oh, my. Let's make some compromises with the devil, shall we? Because that's exactly what he did. All right. Now let's really get under people's skin. Jesus Christ himself was a polygamist. All right. Now this doctrine was changed by the... uh, Core of all the earth, the Catholic Church. But let's get into it, right? In Matthew chapter 27, verse 55, and many women were there beholding the far off which followed Jesus from Galilee, Galilee ministering unto him. Oh, man. You, you need to go read Jesus was married by Ogden Kraut. It explains all this. These are little excerpts of how things have changed. I'm giving you a tidbit of the actual. Yeah, we're, we're scratching the surface of an iceberg here, right? You want to get into it? Go and read uh, Jesus is Married. You can find that at the thekingdomofgodornothing.com as well under Ogden Kraut. There were also many women looking um, on afar off, Many uh, among whom was Mary Magdalene. See, that was the first person that Jesus went to. He didn't go to Peter, James, and John first. He went to Mary Magdalene. Guess why he did that? Because he was going to see his wife. Like, if you are coming back from the dead and you can come to see somebody and it's the first person that you want to come to, are you going to come to your kids, your buddies, or your wife? Well, hopefully you're coming to your wife because if you're going to your buddies, there's something wrong with you. Like, oh, I've got to hang off my doors. I'll see my wife. Whatever. Mary Magdalene was his wife. And Mary, the mother of James, the lesser, and Josie's and Salome who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him and many other women which came up with him to Jerusalem. Mark chapter 15, verse 40 and 41. Why did women follow him? Because they were his wives. Right? Because there was a lot of people to follow him. Why why just mention women? It's because they weren't his wives. Right? All right, uh, General of Wilfred Woodruff, July 22nd, 1883, 
Joseph Smith spoke upon the passage, uh, passages to show that Mary and Martha manifested a much closer relationship than a mere believer. That's because they were, say, with Megan, his wives. Eliezer, who you know is Lazarus, who he raised from the dead, was his brother-in-law. All right? And, and you know what? In order for Jesus to receive that exaltation, he had to live the law that his father lived. He had to be married, he had to have children, and he had to abide the law of plural celestial marriage. Brigham Young says, yet the whole fraternity throughout Christendom will cry out against this order. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. They all cry out, I am in pain, I am suffering at witnessing the wickedness of this art there is in this land. Here is one of the relics of barbarism. Yes, one of the relics of Adam, of Enoch, of Noah, of Abraham, and Isaac, and of Jacob, and Moses, and David, Solomon, the prophets, and Jesus, and his apostles. Oh, what are they talking about? Let's see. Abraham, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, or I'm sorry, Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Solomon, the prophets, and Jesus, and his apostles were all polygamists. All right. Orson Pratt said, then it would be, or then would it be so shocking to the modesty of very pious ladies of Christendom to see Abraham and one of his wives, Jacob and one of his wives, Jesus and his honorable wives, all eating occasionally at the same table and visiting one another and conversing about their numerous children and their kingdoms? Oh, ye delicate ladies of Christendom. How can you endure such a scene as this? For you, Jesus, should not have multiple wives. That's blasphemy. You know what God doesn't actually speak today, uh, without, with the uh, exception of a select few of us who actually have seen him face to face? It's because you would just argue with him because of your foolish traditions. All right. Orson Pratt also said... The scripture says that he, the Lord, came walking in the temple with his train. Oh, I'm sorry, this is Brigham Young. I do not know who they were unless they were his wives and children, because they were following him, right? Anyway, that's Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 13, page 309. Orson Pratt. One thing is certain, that there were several holy women and greatly loved, uh, that greatly loved Jesus, such as Mary and Martha, her sister, and Mary Magdalene, and Jesus, and by the way, Mary Magdalene was his soulmate. A thing you don't understand. And the Catholic Church tried to paint her as being a whore. No, she wasn't a whore. Because the devil loves to tear down what God loves, what Jesus loves, right? She wasn't a whore. And the Catholic Church will answer for their crimes. And Jesus greatly loved them and associated with them much. And when he arose from the dead, instead of first showing himself to his chosen witnesses, the apostles, he appeared first to these women, or at least one of them, namely Mary Magdalene, his soulmate. Now it would be very natural for a husband in the resurrection to appear first to one of his own dear wives and afterwards show himself to other friends. In all the acts Jesus uh, in all the acts Jesus were written, he no doubt should learn 
that these beloved women were his wives. Orson Pratt, the seer, page 159. Orson Hyde, Orson Pratt's brother, said it will be born in the mind that once on a time there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee. On a careful reading of this transaction, it will be discovered that no less person than Jesus Christ was married on that occasion. If he was never married, his intimacy with Mary and Martha and other the other Mary and also um, also whom Jesus loved would have been highly unbecoming and inappropriate or improper to say the best of it. That's true. Jedediah Grant, Jedediah Um Grant said, the grand reason of the burst of public sentiment in I can't say that. It's a Greek word. Anathomus, anathomus upon Christ and his disciples causing his crucifixion was evidently based upon polygamy. According to the testimony of the philosophers who rose in that age, a belief the doctrine of plurality of wives caused the persecution of Jesus and his followers. Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 346. Today, was Jesus a polygamist? Hell no! But this is, I'm sorry, I'm paraphrasing. Let's, let's read the actual letter. This is a letter from LeGrand Richards to Morris M. Reynolds, May 11, 1966. Was Jesus a polygamist? We believe in the four standard work, our church works, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. And we have no revelation from the Lord to indicate that Jesus was either married or a polygamist. Because you know what, they want to make Jesus into the way the world is because they want to be popular with the world, right? And if Jesus is a polygamist, then the whole world will be like, you guys are crazy, right? And we won't get as many followers, so we need to like strip out the gospel and just make it into a hollow shell so we can make it look pretty, right? <laughs> there are some older brethren in the church that will like to philosophize. See, that's what they always do. They say, oh, they just thought, right? Right. Oh, what, wait a minute. He said he received a revelation about the matter. Oh, no, that was just philosophy. We, we can do away with all that crap. That have expressed the thought that he was. So they, they philosophize, they express the thought that he was. We have a little saying from one of the older brethren who say, Now, brethren and sisters, I will now proceed to make very plain to you that which the Lord hath not yet seen fit to reveal. In that spirit, have some have tried to express their own views with respect to the, this question, that as far as the church is concerned, we're a bunch of ignorant bastards, and we love to pervert the gospel. No, I'm sorry, he didn't say that. It does not teach that Jesus was married or that he was a polygamist. But, you know, if you know about, if you know about um, the way that the traditions were, Back, way back in the day, you know, you couldn't be uh, a rabbi unless you were married. And it was a greater sin to be a single man than to – well, it wasn't great. It was, it was like next to it to, to be a bachelor. If Jesus was a bachelor, they would have called him out on it because, you know, you are not perpetuating the race of, of the Jews. And they would have called him out on it, but they didn't because they knew he was married, just like 
I know he was married. Just got to turn this off here. Well, it's about that time, boys and girls, where I've got to go to work. Now, I'm not going to be playing any recordings tonight except for the music because I sent my studio manager, my son, my sound engineer, to bed because he thought that he could do what I told him specifically not to do. But uh, anyway, so... I'm sorry if you're offended about by my bluntness and my flippantness, but I'm just really tired of dealing with people that don't know don't get it. Like I can like show you this stuff in the scriptures and the journal of discourses and and all these things and, and you just refuse to be edified, to learn to turn away from your wickedness and turn back to the first works, as it says in Revelation chapter 2. You know, I, I want you to be part of Zion's redemption. And you proclaim to love God so much, and you go and you pay your your tithing and your fast offerings and pat yourself on your back and, and are lulled away into carnal security, proclaiming all is well in Zion and all is not well. All is not well. God restored the church today so that there would be a people who would live all that he commanded us. Do you understand that yet? Does it come into your mind? Do you get it? God wants you to live the laws that he has given you. Why does he want you to do that? And what is my goal why do I do the things that I do? It's because I want what God wants. I want Zion's redemption. I want thy kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I want. That's what God wants. And we are seeking to discuss and learn God's commandments and prepare to live God's higher laws so that Zion can be redeemed before the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And also that we might be prepared for the return of the Ancient of Days, as told, as told about in Daniel chapter 7, which cannot happen until Zion is redeemed. We are seeking to prepare a people for Zion's redemption, as, as is spoken of in section 103 of the Doctrine and Covenants, where Jesus says, I will send a man like unto Moses, to redeem Zion with power. That's what we're looking for. We want the redemption of Zion. In Genesis chapter 9 of the JST, now let's see here. It's Genesis chapter 9, 21 through 25. Compare Genesis, and that's of the Joseph Smith translation. The bow shall be in the cloud. And I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant which I made unto thy father Enoch. Who is speaking here? This is the grandfather of Jesus Christ. His name was Jehovah, and he was a redeemer on an older earth. We've explained that in the past as well. And I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant which I made unto thy father Enoch that when men should keep 
all my commandments or basically obey the gospel of the eternities as revealed unto them, which does not change or deviate one iota, when people will live all that I have commanded them. Zion should again come on the earth, the city of Enoch, which I have caught up unto myself. Verse 22. And this is mine everlasting covenant, that when thy posterity shall embrace the truth and look upward, then Zion shall look downward, and all the heavens shall shake with gladness, and the earth will tremble with joy. And the general assembly of the church of the firstborn shall come down out of heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as this is a fulfillment promise. The general assembly of the church of the firstborn shall come down out of heaven and possess the earth and shall have place until the end comes. See, this is before, before Jesus returns, right? And this is mine everlasting covenant, which I made unto thy father Enoch. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I shall establish my covenant unto thee, which I may have made between me and thee um, for every living creature of all flesh that shall be upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, or Jehovah said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and thee for all flesh that shall be upon the earth. Many people live all that I have commanded then Zion will be redeemed. Then the church of the firstborn can come down out of heaven, and Adam, the Ancient of Days, will come to Adam and Nandayavid with all the resurrected prophets and apostles. Then Zion will be redeemed. And God restored the church in these days so that that could happen. And if we do not do it, we will be destroyed and God will choose a righteous people to do it. Thank you for listening to the program. Take care. God bless. And good night. I thought that I was all alone, broken and afraid, but you were there with me. Yes, you were there with me. Well, and I didn't. I know the road.